0: I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge that today is also the anniversary of the killing of Michael Brown, an unarmed 18-year-old black teenager whose death in Ferguson,
1: Missouri, sparked a national outcry. Um, And this tragic incident was uh, sparked an uproar, not only in Ferguson, but across our nation for change against police brutality. Today
0: marks nine years since the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson. The metro area is honoring his life today with two memorial events. You sit on a throne of
1: lies. Last week, the media and citizens easily duped by their lies celebrated the ninth anniversary of Michael Brown's fatal shooting by Officer Darren Wilson. For those paying attention, it might have seemed kind of odd that our nation was being asked to remember a criminal who attacked a police officer. Is that like some kind of new holiday in a post-Christian world? As I rain blows upon him... A new holiday was born. We have to totally lose all sense of what is good and what is moral, and now we just celebrate evil.
2: Thank you to uh, Satan for giving me inspiration.
1: So Pride Month aside, it should be very odd to you because the media is banking on your very short memory in order to convince you that Michael Brown is some sort of victim. Liar! Liar! After all, it was Obama's DOJ that ruled that Darren Wilson was merely defending himself, and they cleared the police officer of all wrongdoing. It was Obama himself who said, you can't just charge him, speaking of Officer Wilson, because what happened was tragic. And then Obama went on to say, complete confidence was fully behind the Justice Department in their decision-making. Among the many things the DOJ discovered when they investigated the Michael Brown shooting was that the hands up, don't shoot mantra that BLM used as a rallying cry was a totally fabricated lie.
2: still plenty in the protest movement who are convinced Brown had his hands up, but few have read the nearly 100-page report. We did. Here's what the witnesses closest to the incident who spoke to federal investigators and the grand jury say. Witness 102, a biracial male, for sure that Brown's hands were not above his head.
1: Michael Brown not only did not have his hands up, but the 18-year-old that was over 290 pounds and 6'4", actually punched the officer in the face and then tried to grab his gun. Motivated by the facts, the DOJ was left with nothing else but to fully exonerate Officer Wilson of all wrongdoing. Many still to this day though, when confronted with these facts, will still find a way to double down on their deception rather than to second guess what they are being told.
0: We're debating um, whether or not his hands were up, but we're not debating whether or not he's dead or alive. Uh, We know for a fact that he's dead. Whether his hands were up or not, he's, he's not here.
1: And they'll say something like this. Sure, the case might be an exception, but it doesn't change the fact that there's racial injustice in policing. And totally forget that it's all built upon a lie. I would hope that you're a better thinker after watching this show. I hope you'd say, if I'm being lied to about this, what else is BLM, the media, and my politicians lying to me about? Once you've finally come to this place of serenity and hope, you can finally start unwinding the programming that everyone in our country has been subjected to over the last half century it's then that you can come out of your stupor and ask about abortion maybe a baby isn't a choice and a fetus slash person distinction is actually nothing more than a foolish talking point that runs cover for one of the worst atrocities in human history maybe we can get really daring and we can be honest about the genocidal nature of left-wing gender ideology take my word for it women don't have penises and men don't get pregnant. Surprise. And today we'll look at Trump's indictments so we can see them for the beginning of the banana republic they are. We'll look at the claims about Dennis Prager and kid porn and see if they're true. And most importantly, in my line of work, maybe we can have a short conversation about the crusades to see how we've been lied to for generations about this historical fact. If you're tired of being lied to and want the truth, you'll be glad you joined me today on IndyThinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Now, today, I want to encourage you to do something we hear a whole lot. Now, you've probably heard people say it's not enough just to stand against something. You have to support the things that you're for. You know, Christians have for far too long been against things and not for things. Now, while I think the vast majority of people who use that kind of platitudinal thinking are merely just trying to excuse the fact that they don't know what to stand against because they haven't fully thought about it, or more importantly, they're just just afraid of the bad reputation that might come when they actually really do take a stand for the things they need to take a stand for. Outside of that, there is a sliver of truth to that statement. If you're going to boycott things, you have to understand that the Bud Light boycotts and the Target boycotts, they are effective and they're certainly having an impact. But they're not as impactful as boycotts. So it's important to boycott the right things, Disney, to be sure, but it's also important to make sure that you are supporting the right things. And one of the great things that my family has experienced by boycotting places like Target, we don't drink, so Bud Light wasn't ever an issue. And besides, I hear, like, even for beer drinkers, boycotting bud light wasn't that difficult because pea water isn't isn't that fun to drink, but suffice to say one of the one of the great benefits of boycotting target has been the opportunity to rethink our purchasing and to rethink where we place our money because it's been said we don't just vote with the ballot we also vote with our wallet and so if you want to vote for the kind of values and the kind of things that truly promote a healthy society well then you need to stand up for and place your money behind the companies that really matter and that's companies like herbal alchemy so today you can support our show by purchasing things like this this is a rise am booster it's a clean energy hunger control supplement that helps you get vitamins amino acids and so many other things if you're looking to kick coffee you can take this and start your day the right way and then maybe you're looking for health and beauty products that are totally chemical free all natural and most importantly woke free herbal alchemy has all of it they've got men's products they've got women's products i'd highly encourage you to go to the link in the description of this podcast to see all of the things that they have to offer and to boot The proceeds that go from the sale of these products today not only go to indie thinker but also they go to promote those who are fighting sex trafficking and human trafficking on the front lines because herbal alchemy is a christian company that supports some great works in and around our world so in order to see all that they have and all the great products that you can use to supplement those things that you lost by boycotting target You need to go to the link in the description right now on the screen or in the description of this podcast. And when you do so, you'll not only be supporting a great company, Indy Thinker I'm speaking about, but also Herbal Alchemy. So make sure to check that out today. The show today is about lying, and it could be philosophically rational to believe that there is such a thing as a noble lie. Think the individuals hiding Jews during the Holocaust. You can tell a lie that is in service of an ultimate good that is so necessary for you to lie that it is good for you to do so. But we all know the vast majority of lies that we hear today in our industrial complex of deception are not those kind of lies. The kind of lies that we hear so often that flow like water in society today are the kind of lies that are demoralizing not just to the people who are being lied to, but also to the individual. And that goes something like this. Many of us don't want to perceive ourselves as being maniacal evil geniuses and being deceptive. And so what we have to do is justify our lies internally. And so we tell multiple lies in order to prop up the one individual lie so that we can convince ourselves that what we're doing actually isn't that bad. Or maybe even convince ourselves that, that what we're doing is is actually in some twisted way the truth. This is what Joseph Goebbels, the famous infamous Nazi said about lies. He said, you must tell a lie enough times until it becomes perceived as the truth. And so we do this internally with our lying. And so it warps our sense of reality out there. And so it doesn't just hurt the individuals who are being lied to. It also hurts you. And by virtue of that, It hurts society. Somebody once said that in order to tell one lie, you have to tell about 20. So it's not just one little lie. It's a society, a culture of lying that demoralizes everyone it touches. And we're living in that society very much today. And this is no truer than in the case of the Trump indictment machine. Now, I know many of you who watch this show, you're gonna say, well, Reed, I agree with you and we've heard this all before and it's egregious, it's frustrating, we don't have to rehash this thing. But trust me, there are also people who are going to hear what I'm about to tell you about the Trump indictment machine. And they're going to say, uh, well, Reed, you're obviously just listening to Tucker Carlson or Fox News or somebody out there who's misinforming you and they cannot see the truth right in front of their face. They're not disturbed whatsoever about the fact that Trump has been indicted three times now and eventually probably more than that. And he faces at least 34 charges in New York City alone. Now, these three three charges, you need to understand, in order to grapple with the egregious nature of what is happening with Donald Trump, especially when juxtaposed to what is happening with Joseph R. Biden. So for, for the sake of reminder, these, these uh, indictments include campaign finance fraud, which, by the way, you should know, the statute of limitations on these charges have already expired in the state in which they were brought. So why is he being indicted for it? I'll let you take your imagination to solve that one. And then we have the mishandling of paper. Now, I don't like this, but let's be honest, Hillary Clinton did it. Joe Biden did it. But Joe Biden isn't being indicted. Only Donald Trump is being indicted. And Joe Biden did this when he was vice president, not the president of the United States. And then and then finally we have this latest indictment. Trump conspiring to subvert an election and the law that's being used against Trump is the same law that would be used to say that black people are dis- being disenfranchised volitionally by by a state or by the federal government and they're subverting an election by not allowing black people to vote and this is what Donald Trump is being charged with now for the sake of a reminder he's being charged with subverting an election by telling people to peacefully protest now this should all be egregious to you much of what Donald Trump has done I don't like. I don't like the mishandling of papers. I don't like the way that he told people the election was rigged in ways that he couldn't prove in court, and creating this really kind of tension within the Republican Party about whether or not we can even trust elections in the first place, but yet we're being told to try to elect him in 2024. It's just all of these things boggle the mind. But there is no doubt that when you look objectively at these charges, we are looking at a witch hunt. And it is an incredibly dangerous witch hunt because it's one that potentially creates the feeling, if not the obvious notion, that we are living in or at least closely encroaching a banana republic. Now, let me juxtapose that with our current president, Joseph R. Biden. Biden, who apparently is squeaky clean and loves to talk, just talk about the weather with uh, business associates of Hunter Biden, has staged multiple phone calls with his son two business associates who, over the lifetime of this crack addicted man's life, has collected $20 million from foreign business associates, including China and the Ukraine. A crackhead again. Now, finally, we have the media running cover for Joe Biden saying that Joe was never, he never asked for money directly and none of that money was directly given to him. Let me help you really quick. The whole point of this is that Joe Biden may be in a quasi vegetative state right now where he can't even navigate stairs. But even he was not dumb enough to directly solicit money from foreign officials. He had his son do it for him. And it's at least enough to stage an investigation and hear directly from Biden. But the media is incredibly incurious about this but are infinitely curious about Donald Trump. How did we get multiple impeachments of a man based upon a fake Russia story, and now we can't even get a single impeachment or a single opportunity to hear from Joe Biden directly about something that certainly has more evidentiary quality to it than anything Trump was ever charged with. So the real question is, why is the media so incurious, and why do they keep on ramping up coverage of Trump indictments to make sure that he is consistently in the news? Why all of this strategically timed seemingly right before a primary and a general election? So here's the first argument that I hope you can see, that Donald Trump is being promoted on purpose. They believe that Donald Trump, the media, that is, believe that Donald Trump and the Democratic Party, which, by the way, I repeat myself, think that Donald Trump is is infinitely beatable by Joe Biden. By the way, I think this is why Newsom and Kamala Harris are waiting in the wings. If somebody other than Trump takes the uh, takes the nomination, uh, you can rest assured that the next day. Biden will say, I'm not running for a second term and somebody else will take his place. Now, that's a little bit of prognostication, but it's not really that necessary because it seems that donald trump is going to win the the primary and will be the republican nominee uh, so if this is indeed what is happening and i want you to be careful to to question whether or not this is happening because the media is really good at the at being a propaganda machine at the beginning of the show i talked about michael brown and how oddly it has come back into the news uh, the, the, the slaying of Michael Brown, the murder of Michael Brown, or what might more accurately be called the justified shooting of Michael Brown. Again, Obama's DOJ stating that. So why are they bringing that up nine years after it's actually happened? Well, they don't want to gin up another controversy like they saw in the summer of love in 2020 on the heels of an election. And so they're trying to use the race card as they have used it in the past to, to much great effect, to try to paint a negative light upon Republicans, and specifically Donald Trump. All of that to, to say this, that there is a media propaganda machine right now, you might call it the Matrix, which I believe is the Democratic Party in collusion with the media, to tell a fabricated story that tries to get you to believe it. And even if it is so preposterous, they will tell it over and over and over again until nine years later, you don't even remember that Obama's DOJ totally cleared Darren Wilson of all, of all wrongdoing in that shooting. And that Michael Brown was actually responsible for his own, his own death to the point now where most people will just mourn Michael Brown and not actually care about the facts. The media is very good at this, guys. And by the way, if they are promoting Donald Trump on purpose, if they're, you know, running these indictments that are completely fallacious in order to keep him in the news cycle so that he can be the candidate that Biden goes against. I have to tell you, it's it's really working because according to Real Clear Politics, which shows former President Trump with 41.7% support, DeSantis with 17.7%, and Christie and Senator Tim Scott tied for bottom at 6.7. So as you can see, Chris Christie is floundering in the polls, but so is Ron DeSantis. Trump is surging while DeSantis seems not to be making much ground. I know it's early, but it doesn't seem like that is going to change. Why is that? Because the media consistently puts Donald Trump at the forefront while never mentioning Ron DeSantis. That election rigging machine is working. Now, I'll be really clear. And this may get me in trouble with Trump voters and get me in trouble with Democrats, what I'm about to say and find me kind of in between these two people. But I'm just going to tell you, I don't believe that there was substantial election rigging in terms of dead people voting and fake ballots being cast and all that kind of thing that made Donald Trump lose. But you better believe that there was a propaganda machine in the media that created a rigged election in favor of of uh, of Joe Biden. And that happened in ways like the FBI making sure that the Hunter Biden, li- Biden laptop story did not make it to the fore during election season. And again, the continued coverage of the fiery but mostly peaceful protests that were absolutely justified when we were, we were all supposed to be quarantining because of this horrible pandemic. Uh, Of course, because Donald Trump is such a horrible racist. All of that coverage was intended to slant voters toward Joe Biden. By the way, the man is so incredibly incompetent, and at least those working for him, that they've destroyed our country so much that it's going to be hard for the election rigging machine to really work this time. Now, there's a second argument, too, that needs to be considered. It's also possible that there is just this blind hatred Not 4D chess where the Democrats are in collusion with the media trying to promote Trump to the top of the ticket because they believe that they can beat him, but maybe just this blind hatred that they don't care about the repercussions of their lying, but they will do whatever they can to try to get rid of Donald Trump. Maybe they're really hoping that their blind, evil, maniacal hatred for this man will actually see him indicted and held accountable criminally for some of the things that he's done so that he can't actually be the person that is elected. Now, I know these two theories here seem to juxtapose one another pretty significantly. In one, they want him to get to the top, and and the other, they don't want him anywhere near the top. But the reality is, is that if that's true, that blind hatred is backfiring because the more these people attack Donald Trump the more he seems to grow in popularity because it reveals the thing that voters hate the most that politicians are lying that the media is lying and that those lies are an absolute assault on the common sense of voters so the bigger argument in all of this just simply is this is that in both cases and i believe i'm right about one or the other and that's it's one of these two in both cases the left is using dishonest tactics for personal gain and it makes them evil in the second case they are blindly hating an individual probably more than you should hate anybody if you consider yourself somewhat moral and then in the first case they are trying to do the best that they can to to distort an election through through lies and, and so all I'm saying is in any scenario, what's happening with Donald Trump right now is, is egregiously immoral. And if you truly think for yourself, you should not let these people lie to you. I'll say one last thing about this. I'm, I'm somewhat concerned if the first argument is true that they want Donald Trump at the top of the ticket, that they're giving him kind of this free marketing campaign because they know Republicans will get outraged and they'll want him to combat these people who are lying. Um, if, if that is what is truly going on, I am very concerned about that, because if the left is playing 40 chess and they want Donald Trump to go to uh, the general election... I, I, I wonder why we should go along with their plan. I wonder why we shouldn't try to help Ron DeSantis get in office and totally destroy whatever maniacal plan they, they actually have. Again, I'm, I'm theorizing here completely, and you have to let your common sense speak to you and help you understand these things. And Hopefully, I've done a good job of trying to illustrate this so that I show that the indictments that are being placed against Trump are nothing more than political, political positioning. But, but in any case, uh, we have to be careful that we don't play directly into the hands of the people who are trying to distort the truth the most. And so it does stand to reason that you might want to reconsider what your primary vote actually looks like. Now, moving on, if we're going to really talk about telling the truth, then there's a story that's been kind of going viral lately uh, concerning somebody that I follow who I think is a great podcaster, a guy named Matt Fradd with Pints with Aquinas, and then somebody who I have a uh, personal affection for and somebody that I've met personally and even spent time at his house, uh, Dennis Prager. Now, the scenario is something like this, that Dennis Prager is being accused of supporting and condoning child pornography, and the internet has gone uh, in outrage mode against Dennis Prager. Now, if that is true, then I agree. You should be outraged, but the real question is, is that true? I'll let you hear Dennis Prager's comments with Matt Fradd himself.
2: Here. Says, I view animated child porn. So there's no real victim in that sense right. of child pornography, which we both agree is horrendous. And by viewing animated child porn, it prevents me from acting out sexually on a child. Now I I deny that. I think that pornography inflames us to then want to act those fantasies out. And I think there's good studies that back that up. But surely you wouldn't say to the man who views animated child pornography. That's not bad so long as you don't act it out. Wouldn't you want to help this poor sick dude? Yes, I would,
0: but I'm thrilled that he's not acting it out. I mean agreed. Okay. Of course. Well, that's big. Yeah. We're both thrilled <laughs> that he might have a poor substitute, but it is a substitute if that were the case. No child is being used. Yeah. It's all animated. Yeah. Uh, and uh and he uh, but would is, you
2: would you use the word evil of animated child pornography because no, i certainly I I,
0: would I no i would use evil only with behavior that's where we might differ f- yeah. forgetting the sex issue you can't be evil you didn't do evil if you thought evil you y- did y- if i'm masturbating to
2: animated pictures of pornography i'm not doing something evil that's correct yeah i think that's i think that's despicable
0: yeah really yes of course who is being hurt? You have to have a victim. Oh, I'll
2: tell you, there's at least two people being hurt. There's the person who's poisoning himself by yes, encouraging yes, him right. to think, I acting want, out on okay. children. And there's also so wait, the animator. Okay,
0: wait a minute. We both we both are aching for him not to have those fantasies. I agree with you, but I... But I, you won't call it evil. I,
1: I won't call a fantasy evil. All right, so you heard it there yourself. Dennis Prager is arguing that... Animated child pornography—it doesn't really hurt anybody because it's a cartoon rather than than an actual person, and so he can justify it uh, from an intellectual standpoint based upon the argument that he's making. So, okay, all right, I get it. This is. This is a challenging place to defend Dennis Prager, and I'm not really going to do that, but I'm just going to try to help us be kind of a little bit reasonable here and step back emotionally from this uh, from this statement or series of statements made by these two men. Um, So the first thing I just want to mention is just simply this, that we need to be charitable even with our enemies because we want the best version of their argument so that we can absolutely destroy it with facts and logic. We don't want our enemies up in arms or angry at us or being ticked off because we're simply ad hominem attacking them. Uh, there is a place for that, for to be sure, and I think there are things that deserve to be mocked, so trust me, you've heard it on the show before, I'm not turning over a new leaf as far as that's concerned. I believe it's necessary and I believe it's moral to mock things that are egregiously immoral. Um, so, nonetheless, but, but I also do believe that it's important to be charitable with our enemies and try to give them the best interpretation, so that we can destroy that rather than just straw manning. So, hopefully, that makes sense. And for those of you who don't know, straw manning means creating the weakest argument by our enemies, so that we can destroy that. But then we're not really destroying their actual argument. So, we need to create the best argument that we can for our enemies, so that we can show that it is illogical, irrational, and foolish, rather than creating a. Fake argument that they're not actually making. So it's important to be charitable with our enemies in that regard. But but it's also important to be charitable with our friends, not just simply because they're our friends, but because we know them. If you know the heart and the mind behind the people that are talking, it's important to give them the kind of charity that is necessary to hear what they're actually saying. And this is where Dennis comes into play. Dennis, for over 30 years, has been a leading conservative voice. And I just have to tell you, here, Dennis is not making an argument that child pornography is okay. I want to get into the argument that he's actually making. But essentially, Dennis is a behaviorist, and he's just simply saying that Your behavior is what matters more than kind of the ideas that you have. Now, this goes back into something that uh, Dennis Prager said with Jordan Peterson on a Exodus kind of series that he did with him. You can hear his words here.
0: We have no equivalent that if you look upon another woman with lust, it's as if you have committed adultery with your heart. There's only one way to commit adultery in Judaism, and it's with a different organ. And I'm not being cute, I'm, I'm being very realistic, Uh, looking with lust is not a sin in Judaism.
1: So essentially, as a behaviorist, Dennis Prager is just simply saying that there's a difference between the internal life and the external life. And he's making a more broad argument um, that what you say you believe is not as important as how you behave. So if you say you're a Christian, but then you go around killing people, or let's even be a little bit more realistic, let's say you say you're a Christian, but you go around committing adultery on your wife, Uh, repeatedly with multiple women, well, I don't care what you say you believe, you're not acting like a Christian, so your belief is totally irrelevant when we look at your behavior. Now this, in that way, is an argument that a million other Christian preachers have made without ever truly using those words. Essentially, Dennis Prager is saying that the ideas that you have inside of your head aren't necessarily sin unless you act upon those things. Well, Suffice to say, this is where I also think Dennis is wrong and he's dead wrong. It's clear that the sins of your mind and what you believe are intimately connected with your behavior. In fact, I would argue that porn is a behavior, first of all, that is a volitional act of the will. So you don't have a, um, you don't watch porn simply because you have um, a, a behavior, you watch porn because you also have a belief. Now this is true of all of us. Whenever we do something, it comes from some place. I know that cognitive dissonance, you know, happens and that we do things that don't match what we actually say we believe. But the reality is, even if it's not a formalized belief, all the time we do things and justify our actions based upon a belief somewhere deep down inside. And porn is especially egregious in this way. Not only is it a belief but it is also a behavior. So I don't really know why Dennis can get off by saying that hey I you know I think there's a distinction between you know what you actually do and kind of the lustful ideas that you have when it when it comes to this kind of thing because porn objectifies women, even if you're not specifically engaged with the woman. So it, in, it aids in her abuse. If you truly believe, and it is, that pornography is abuse, just by purchasing the magazine, what you're doing is promoting the abuse of that woman. Now, secondly, it damages the man om, and almost always leads to a behavior. Now, maybe you can read between the lines here what I'm actually saying. So if you think that watching porn is really not um, a behavior but really just a belief and actually doesn't lead to any real action in the world and that nobody would be harmed by child pornography, I have to argue with you a little bit here. Even if it is just pleasuring yourself, you are participating in a behavior in association with your lustful ideas. Few would argue that Cartoons of white people beating up and hanging a black man would do anything other than damage the mind and damage the behavior of an individual. So there is not this clear distinction between the interior life and the exterior life like Dennis wants to believe. And this is the most important dichotomy here that Dennis tries to make, but it isn't one that is borne out by the evidence. Dr. Juliana Briannis says this, one of the most basic ways that beliefs can shape reality is through their influence on behavior. So does that mean that belief may influence the behavior but not cause it? So in other words, does that mean that you can uh, be influenced by your beliefs, but not. But it doesn't necessarily follow that, that what you're doing is caused by it. No, every behavior is born out of the heart. This is what Jesus was saying when he says that he that lusts after another woman, it, woman is committing adultery in his heart. So in other words, there for Jews, there's this d- distinct dichotomy between belief and behavior. And for Christians, and I think for most people, they would say your behavior is derived from your belief, that you cannot separate those two things so what what you can say about Dennis is he's wrong and dead wrong what you can say about Dennis is that he has an idea because he's a behaviorist and he's trying to force the um, uh, to because he wants to be intellectually consistent he's trying to force his definition to work by saying that a person who watches animated child pornography is actually not violating any child or anything like that because they're not actually practicing a behavior that does that now I'll, I'll just say that because he is so committed to this belief, he is being, um, he is being illogic- illogical and being consistent, but he's doing the best that he can to try to be consistent with with his belief. but he's just he's just dead wrong. So now I must step away from that and just say this. Here's what you cannot say about Dennis Prager. You cannot say he's a pedophile. You cannot say he's creating pedophiles. And you cannot say anything other than that he's entitled to be wrong. Again, Dennis Prager is somebody that's on our side. He's not truly defending child porn, he's trying to defend his position and he's just finding himself in the unfortunate predicament where he realizes his argument actually doesn't work and it's made him look like he's defending child porn. So I think it's important for us to really kind of suss out these facts when we think about them, not only so that we can be charitable to Dennis Prager, but simply so that we can understand arguments and understand them as clearly as possible so that we don't simply paint a, a too easy picture of somebody that we disagree with. Now, is it important to call Dennis out on the kind of inconsistency of his belief here and actually where his belief leads? By the way, I think he's being logically consistent. I just think that his belief actually doesn't work. Um, and it is not borne out by the facts, and it ultimately leads to some reprehensible conclusions, as Matt Frad said in the clip. And so in keeping with the theme of the show today, I would just say this, that the moral of the story is that we need to be careful about the lies that we tell ourself. Because I believe Dennis has a flawed belief, and he's trying to justify it logically. That's why it's all that much more important that the things that we believe are correct Now, as a Christian, and Dennis being a Jew, I agree with Dennis very often, but I think Dennis's Judaism here is influencing what he believes as a behaviorist. I think he needs to listen to Jesus a little bit more and realize that the dichotomy between the inner life and the the exterior life are actually not that disconnected. Jews believe that they are, but Christians don't. Christians believe that ultimately your actions are predicated based upon your belief. And so it's important to get your beliefs right so that your behavior can follow. And one of the ways that you can do that is by looking into an ancient book called The Bible, Old and New. And we'll try to do that a little bit in our final segment, Bible Study with Democrats.
2: Oh, God of Pronouns.
1: In this segment, I like to bring you those who distort Christianity by providing kind of leftist influence on on scripture and Christian thought. Uh, I give you things like the Sparkle Mass and Glitter Communion that progressive Christians have been on a nonstop tour de force of insane heresy with lately. It's a lot of fun to watch them kind of torch themselves and twist themselves and contort themselves into some rather awkward positions in order to maintain their cultural relevancy. However, today I have a contemporary, but honestly rather old idea that has preoccupied the mind of the anti-Christian community out there for a while. With that in mind, it may not surprise you that I happen to think that we've been mostly lied to about the Christian crusades. I'll be the first to admit that war can be horrific and often comes along with a litany of atrocities that Jesus didn't really put on his top 10 list. I'll also quickly admit that war is a necessary evil and that the Bible endorses it when the cause is just and the goal is clear. For those who would rather not see a concentration camp in every community, you'll probably quickly admit that America's invasion of Germany was probably a good thing. However, if there's one fact about Christianity that many postmodern secularists think they know, it is that Christians murdered Muslims, and in the Crusades, they were evil, and if we ever let Christians get into power, they'll do it again. So it's the number one argument uh, against Christianity for many people. Well, that and—somebody hurt my— feelings at church one time. So the unfortunate reality is the vast majority of our pop culture saturated society knows more about Taylor Swift than they do about the Crusades and they know even less about the faith and unfortunately that influences what they think about it. It should come as little surprise that the vast majority of people teaching you in your stellar public school had no idea what they were talking about when it comes to the Crusades and please save your typing in the comment section for those of you who went a little bit deeper in your education and you attended a community college with an atheist professor who really took you down the rabbit hole. So save that. But I understand I'm stepping on some hollow ground here when I suggest to you that the Crusades were more about Christians defending themselves against a jihad-obsessed religion than the other way around. After all, you've read The God Delusion and you've seen City of God with the disgusting and Christians living in their own filth, how they attacked enlightened Muslims who were contemplating the mysteries of the world and living peacefully while on their way to discovering the cure for cancer. Of course, we know those pasty whites and their tendency to enslave, but to maintain your very binary belief in the Crusades, you have to push aside some inconvenient facts. For instance, you have to forget that the first crusade was a defensive war. Muslims had been on a mission of expansion since Muhammad and had taken two-thirds of the known world, and many of that territory was Christian-owned. And those acts of aggressions didn't stop when the crusades began. Researcher Dr. Bill Warner estimates that about 548 aggressive battles were waged by Muslims against Christians, compared to 15 aggressive battles fought by Christians to do the same. But you don't have to listen to me or even secondary sources, here's what Pope Urban II said on the eve of the First Crusade in order to call Christians to take up arms in the First Crusade. He said this, You have seen for a long time the great disorder in the world caused by these crimes. It is so bad in some of your provinces, I am told, that you are so weak in the administration of justice that one can hardly go along the road by day or night without being attacked by robbers. And whether at home or abroad, one is in danger of being despoiled either by force, fraud. Although, O oh sons of God, you have promised more firmly than ever to keep the peace among yourselves and to preserve the rights of the church, there remains still an important work for you to do. Freshly quickened by the divine correction, you must apply the strength of your righteousness to another matter which concerns you as well as God. For your brethren who live in the East are in urgent need of your help, and you must hasten to give them the aid which has often been promised them. "...for as the most of you have heard, the Turks and Arabs have attacked them and have conquered the territory of Romania as far west as the shore of the Mediterranean and to the Hellespont, which is called the Arm of St. George. They have occupied more and more of the lands of those Christians and have overcome them in seven battles. They have killed and captured many and have destroyed the churches and devastated the empire." By the way, you should know this, that the Muslims captured more Europeans and put them in the slave trade than did Europeans place blacks in the transatlantic slave trade and brought them to North America. So some 1.2 million Europeans were enslaved by the Muslims and about 400,000 Africans were brought from Africa to North America. So in short, the Crusades were waged by Christians as a defensive war to stop Muslim expansion, aggression, and atrocities. You may say, well, of course the Christian is going to say this when Pope Urban stood up and say it. You know, he's going to make the Muslims seem like the bad guys. But believe what you want and believe as many lies as you like. Um, But don't let it disarm you of common sense. Disregard any of these sources and let's just use some logic here for a moment. What's easier to believe? A jihad-obsessed religion made the world difficult to live in, or damned bloodthirsty Christians wanted to decapitate innocent Muslims who were innocently praying toward Mecca. This is not to disregard that there were bad people on both sides. I'm sure there were many crusaders who did grossly immoral things. It's just that when Muslims did it, they were doing it in keeping with their prophet's call. And when crusaders did it, they were clearly disobeying Christian scripture. But the biggest and most important argument in favor of the Crusades is simply this. Western civilization. All you have to do is simply ask yourself a very logical question. Which would you rather have today? The Islamic world spread around the world as the major cultural zeitgeist or Western civilization as it is presently situated? For those who struggle with apples and oranges, let me just be really clear with you. I'm not saying that there aren't pros and cons to both. My simple argument is that it is objectively clear which one is better. And by the way, if you're on the left and you love calling people Islamophobes for making those kind of arguments, Um, what do you think the world would look like under Sharia law? And how many women would truly have the rights that they do in America today if Muslims had taken over the known world? If you care about the rights of women and the LGBTQ community, I think you better jump at the chance to defend Western civilization. But I have little hope of that. I understand that people, when confronted with inconvenient truths, often retreat to their illogical assumptions to reinforce their narrative. But maybe just maybe. There's someone out there who is willing to admit that it's very easy to paper over history in order to cover your religious bigotry. And if you're brave enough to admit that, you'll find yourself on some pretty holy ground. It's rare that people find their way outside of their flimsy echo chambers and flimsy worldviews. Flimsy worldviews are really comfortable they allow you to live in a way that you like without fear of change and they're a powerful stronghold against facts and logic but if you let the wolf blow your little house down and your sticks come tumbling down around you you can find something more solid where where you'll find independent thinking healthy skepticism and a gradual but life-changing worldview so i highly encourage you to exit the matrix that's been programmed for you it's there too where you may take the next step in realizing Christianity is hardly what you thought it was. In other words, you'll stop living by lies and you'll find the power of truth. And I hope you do that. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, I hope you go with God.